Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Darren Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. And uh, Tara, it's it's a little bit weird right now coming in. We record this on Sunday nights, as we always do. And it feels like the last few times we've recorded this, we're talking about an Albert Pujols home run. Uh, <laughs> not today. Uh, and in fact, not a whole lot of anything today or kind of all weekend or kind of all week it's been a little bit of a blah offensive performance for a while now yeah it's definitely a lull compared to really most of the second half where it seemed like every week not only were we talking about a Pujols home run we were talking about the fact that man this team has so much going for it that it's almost hard to figure out what exactly to pick to talk about because there are so many things there's so many options and so many of them were offensively focused so yeah it's a bit different and and certainly strange to come in after a week where it's kind of like well that happened (laughs) bit of a throwback to the last couple of years where most of the time we were like well that happened (laughs) um but i guess if there's a good time to have a bit of a lull it's when the stakes aren't quite as high and, you know, even going through that lull of a week, pretty much maintaining the same distance between the Cardinals and the Brewers um, is is a good place to be in with, you know, just a couple of weeks left in the season. So, you know, a Pujols homer this week, a couple of <laughs> days ago, which makes it seem so likely that he will have the chance to get to 700, um, but not the same excitement level as we've had the last couple of weeks coming off of just really um, emphatic moments from Pujols and or, you know, the other the other two guys in this trio that are sort of getting overshadowed in the mix with uh, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually have to double check. Yeah, it was this week that we had the... Uh... Uh, Yachty and Wainwright mm-hmm. celebration that, that weekend series with the Reds was so long <laughs> that um, it's hard to remember that, that we did have all that hoopla and excitement, uh, which was fun. Um, Cardinals got a win in that game. Yachty got a base hit. Albert got his two when he twin, what, 2200th RBI. There's just, there's stuff all around. And you do wonder a little bit, I think we maybe we talked about this last week too, but you wonder how much distraction, not only for those players, but for the rest of the team as well, right? I mean, there are guys that know that right now the focus isn't on them and, and they're fine with that, I know. But, you know, and maybe in a, the case of Paul Goldschmidt, maybe they're glad they're not. It's been a rough week for, for Goldschmidt, yeah. uh, although he started maybe showing some signs of life. Um, you know, I guess is that a, you know, a good thing or a bad thing, right? It could, it could cover up some flaws, but also, you know that nobody's looking at you. Yeah. And it's also true that you get to the postseason and none of that matters. Right. So, you know, there's a little bit of how does this team refocus on just playing good baseball as opposed to look at all this cool stuff that's happening. And I would never try to suggest that all the cool stuff that's happening is a bad thing, (laughs) just (laughs) that it presents a very different situation than a lot of these, especially young guys have ever been through before. Um, But at the end of all of that, at the end of all the records and the retirement parties and whatever it is, um, you know, they're still aiming for, really lofty goals in terms of the team success this year, which depends very much on 
yes, those guys who have been grabbing the headlines, but also the role players who fill in all of those moments when Goldie doesn't have a great week or when Albert doesn't hit a home run or when Adam Wainwright doesn't pitch a complete game or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, this is a week that kind of pulled the, the, the rose-colored glasses off for just a moment and, and makes you go, oh, okay, <laughs> this is a lot of fun, but there is still a lot of work yet to be done that, that needs to continue to be the focus uh, at times, right? And that's part of this conversation, right? How much focus do you give at the end of a season when, you know, perhaps once the division is secured or at least the postseason is secured, whatever those things, however you want to celebrate those moments, um, how much attention do you want to give to these three guys that are playing their last couple of weeks of regular season baseball? Potentially Wainwright hasn't said one way or the other, but mm-hmm. the assumption is that could be the case. Um, and how much attention do you want to give to trying to increase the win total at this point? And that's uh, someone with a much higher uh, pay grade than than I have. It's their job to sort sort that all out and and manage that in terms of the team and the focus and all of that. Um, but one of the elements of having a team that's so exciting for so many reasons is, you know, how do you balance that at the end of this year, going into the postseason and wanting to position yourself well to make a a title run, um, but also not not miss the opportunity to appreciate the value of these really spectacular moments. And that's a weird position for Ollie Marmol to be in, but uh, you know, also not one that I think he would like to trade <laughs> if no. he had the opportunity. I, I'm sure he would say, no, I'm quite content <laughs> with this being year one uh, as far as that dynamic for the team and those individuals. Yeah, for sure. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think Marmol could ask for much more out of his first season, except maybe a World Series championship, and he may still get that. We'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I, you know, I know the team has talked publicly about, you know, still having that goal of getting the second seed or whatever the case may be, and that's nice to say, but you know, it's really not too feasible. You know, being five games still. Vote wasn't very feasible when they talk about it now after you know dropping a couple games this weekend they're you know, five games out with just a couple of weeks to play so it's it's not a situation where you just have to put the pedal to the metal and just roar through these last two weeks and that's good i mean that's kind of what i think a little bit of what we've seen in marmol being able to rest people like goldschmidt or, or arenado or, or things of that nature but they go into this week you've got three with the dodgers you got three with San Diego. I guess you get San Diego first. Three with San Diego, three with the Dodgers, and then you come back and have two with the Brewers in Milwaukee. You know, eight games on the road against teams that either will be in the playoffs or just miss out. Um, is it more important to show signs of life in this week than it was this past week? I would say so, yes, uh, for multiple reasons. One being, as strange as it is to say, signs of life against the Reds are not that not as important as signs of life against another team. Because you would think, lesser team, easier to stay on top. It doesn't always work out that way, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that more than anything, coming off of a bit of a lull of a week, 
and then being able to step your game back up to the level of competition uh, for of playoff teams or at least playoff potential teams is significant. Um, I also think that it gives you a really good opportunity to sort of wrap your head around, okay, this is, this is the way we need to set things up for the postseason. And, um, you know, while this week may not be like the make or break gauntlet that it could have been, that doesn't mean it's any less significant in terms of this team making sure that they are sharp and ready for that kind of competition and that kind of pressure come the postseason. Because the final week with Pittsburgh, which again, I would like to just reiterate that six games against Pittsburgh (laughs) in the final week of the season is rough, but nonetheless, this is really the last opportunity to kind of position yourself and to hold that mirror up in the way by way of other teams that are also quite competitive um, and just sort of see where you're at and do that without the win or go home kinds of consequences of the postseason. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be, I think it's very, very important for them to, yeah, step that up a little bit this week. I mean, I'm not saying they have to win, you know, each series or anything like that. Um, Although, you know, the Dodgers have clinched everything. You'd think (laughs) maybe they could take it easy on (laughs) some people, but um, yeah, I just, there's got to be a little bit of a turnaround. I mean, now, to be fair, I think we've seen it, we've often seen it from teams that they struggle to get into the postseason and then flip a switch and everything is great. You know, it's kind of the nature of baseball to have the ups and downs, and it's not the worst thing in the world to be right. on the downswing right before the playoffs, and, and maybe, you know, 2006 kind of comes to mind, right? <laughs> um, but I think we'd feel a lot better going into this if you saw some signs of life against it's very good teams that the Cardinals have played with the Padres. They've played with the Dodgers sometimes before, but this close to the end of the year, when you're, this is a team that you may see in a couple of weeks. Um, in fact, for the Padres, they may see them, you know, literally in a couple of weeks. So that may be their first round opponent. Um, it's kind of important to not feel like the other team has the upper hand, um, if at all possible. And, um, well, and so I, think we'll, we'll I think it's also true that both the Dodgers and the Padres are looking at the Cardinals as a playoff team as well, right? So mm-hmm. while this week with 95 games with the Reds or whatever it was this weekend <laughs> uh, seemed a little bit like, okay, can we just be done with this? Because it didn't really matter in terms of the Reds and the level of competition. And it, but I can was just saying today... I can imagine getting really irritated as a player on a team at this point in the season. That's just kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme Mm. overall, because it would be very easy to feel like, what are we doing? (laughs) Why are we here? Why does this matter? Um, Can I just go home, please? But (laughs) when you're the Dodgers, when you're the Padres and you're looking at the Cardinals who have been one of the best teams in baseball in the second half, well, okay, they have to be looking at it in the same light. Let's measure ourselves against this team that we could face in the postseason and see where we're at, see what kind of matchups work and what kind of matchups don't. And so there may be a step up in terms of kind of the opponent's readiness that the Cardinals may be better poised to match 
in terms mm-hmm. of that just intensity and um, again, significance. The value of that series is very different than the value of a Cardinals Reds series right now. It just doesn't have the same overall impact. So even with that, you know, I have to think that both of those teams, especially San Diego, look, that's a big series for the Padres who are trying to hold on to a postseason mm-hmm. spot, right? The Brewers are right on their heels. And so their postseason future is not at all secured. So that's a really significant series for them and one that the Cardinals really need to not overlook thinking about the Dodgers at the end of the week, because not only could they see them in the postseason in a couple of weeks, but the Padres have a lot to prove and a lot to accomplish in this last two weeks of the season that starts with a really tough matchup against a team that, yeah, they're hoping the the Padres are hoping they see the Cardinals Mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks at this point, rather than, you know, sort of from the Cardinals perspective, looking at the rest of the the seedings for the postseason, feeling pretty comfortable in their spot. So yeah, all of that to say, I think it will feel very different. I think it may start to feel like, okay, now we're talking about playoff baseball. This is the point of the season we're we're in rather than these really long extended, relatively insignificant series with division opponents that haven't been competitive all year. Yeah, it's interesting, really, when you look at it, the Cardinals are going to have a, a, quite a say in who they play in the first yeah. round. I mean, between the three games with the Padres and the two games left with the Brewers, you know, if the Cardinals, you know, sweep the Padres and then stumble against the Brewers, you know, that could be enough to get Milwaukee into the postseason and vice versa. I mean, uh, you never know. And it, I don't think it's to the point where the Cardinals are like, trying to strategize whether they should be able to put out their best lineup or anything say? like that. No. Yeah. I mean, it's not to that strength right now. I mean, one that has a tendency to come back and bite you. Yeah. Um, I think the Phillies will remember that from 2011. Um, but you know, it's also, you know, there's, there's a lot of games. It's not like it's the last series of the, of the series of the season. Right. So, but yeah, I just, and of course these are games that we're not going to, have a chance to watch much because they're, you know, going to start at eight or nine o'clock local time, um, which is going to be frustrating for all of us that have been tuning in to these meaningless games, mainly because Mr. Pujols has been, you know, not only has he been opportunity to hit home run, he's been, he's been starting like every game. And yeah. in fact, the game, uh, you know, what Saturday, uh, the first game of the doubleheader, you know, he starts batting second to make sure he gets more chances against the lefty. Um, how irritating is it going to be if he hits 699 and 700 on the West Coast about midnight our time? Uh, extremely irritating because, like you said, we watched a whole weekend of games where that was really the thing that we all tuned in to see. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a long series at Bush coming in on the end of the year, all of these reasons where it felt like, all right, Let's just let's just take care of this here so that we don't have to wait for it on the West Coast. But uh, yeah, trying to stay up, trying to time, you know, set some sort of alert for pool holes at bats. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tricky to be sure. And, you know, unfortunately, it won't have quite the same uh, bravado, I guess, as it would if you were to hit it at home. But I you're talking about 
the Cardinals not being at a point where they strategize as a team, I would very much like to not come down to that last three games at Bush <laughs> for 700 to happen because um, that's going to be stressful for everyone. So while it might be a bit more of a celebration in the moment, uh, I would love to, to see it or see it the next morning <laughs> um, th- this week or at least one of them this week so that he's only got one left to hit in the last week of the season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Albert loves to face the pirates. He loves to go into PNC park and hit home runs. So, you know, you feel pretty good about two home runs and over the next two weeks, but yeah, I'd like to see him hit like one on the West coast and then have, you know, three games to hit 700 in front of the home fan, because if he only has one to hit in front of the home fans, I I feel like he's going to do that. Because yeah. that's just Albert, you know, he, he knows those occasions. But it has been a little bit interesting to see the usage. And it, again, Ollie Marmol has talked about this, right? And he's talked about trying to balance wanting to see 700 with, you know, the way the team needs to play and not wearing pool holes out because he is 42 years old and is not, has not been a everyday player for a while now. Um, and yet, he was an everyday player this week, except for the second game of the doubleheader. Um, I still, I feel like you'll probably see a little bit less of that, especially going into pitching staffs that are a little bit better and ballparks that, well, they're not necessarily worse than Bush, but they're probably on a par with Bush Stadium as being pitchers' parks. Yeah, and I also think there's something to giving him every opportunity in front of home fans, knowing that there's only mm-hmm. three home games left in the regular season. Of course, they're poised to host that that wild card three game set too. But the the chances are limited for home fans to get a chance to see Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina and potentially Adam Wainwright in person. And so I think it's it's a lot to ask of a manager to balance that correctly in terms of still aiming for team wins, of course, because the ultimate goal is a World Series title, and that has to stay at the forefront, but also recognizing the overall significance of the moment and of the impact of an individual player or of this trio of players and the relationship they have built over the years with the the fans in St. Louis as well as the city itself and you know so it's a lot to ask of Ollie Marmol especially considering he's like way younger than the guys that he's dealing with um so he has just a very unusual position of being the one to determine that every day and do it in a way that maintains their respect and treats the history with the respect it deserves as well as keeping that focus on the ultimate goal so seeing him I mean seeing Albert bat second was so clearly like let's get him as many at at bats as possible (laughs) kind of thing um which funny enough could have worked really well you know with perhaps a slightly better left-handed pitcher who wasn't uh pitching around him quite so much because then you also have the backup of paul goldschmidt and nolan arenado behind pujols which in theory would make it less likely um that they would pitch around him to the extent that we saw in in that game so it's not like I think Ali Marmol has done anything dramatic to where you're like, this is absurd. This shouldn't be happening. 
But it is very clear that, you know, especially in this home series, there was an emphasis placed on getting him in front of the fans as many times as it made sense to do. But for that reason, no, I don't think we'll see it quite as regularly or, you know, in full game appearances as the the first baseman on the West Coast as we did um, this last week in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, I would think not. Now, it is interesting a little bit, and maybe there has, I don't think there has anything much to, to do both back and forth, but Paul Goldschmidt has struggled a little bit. It's Paul I Goldschmidt, mean... so he hasn't, you know, there's only so much. But, you know, his last home run was September 7th, and since then, he's hitting 235 uh, with 10 strikeouts, 34 bats, a little Goldie looks a little bit off, right? I mean, when we're just watching him, he seems to take a lot of pitches. He's had, like I said, a number of strikeouts. Again, this is not going to diminish what he's done all year. And I don't think it's going to cost him the MVP or anything of that nature, but this is the team only goes as far as, you know, a good Goldschmidt Naranato go. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that, what has been interesting now, I, I haven't looked at the numbers in that exact time period, but I think what we've seen often this season is when Goldschmidt cools off a bit, Arnato steps up a bit. And so there is that back and forth between the two. That's a lot of fun. And it's really, it really reinforces why for so long, so many of us kept saying, okay, but you need more than one guy. <laughs> you need more than one guy to expect to carry the offense all season long because even the MVP of the season, whoever it is, any season is going to have slow weeks or, you know, a slow month where not everything is, is clicking all at the same time. And so it's been nice to see some special Arenado moments in the meantime. Um, But yeah, when, when you are as hot as Paul Goldschmidt has been most of this season and you're just, it seems like the game is so easy for you much of the year um, to have a down week is certainly going to raise some eyebrows and people are going to go, is he okay? Because we really need him to be okay. Um, I'm not concerned at this point. I think it's just sort of the nature of the game, as you said earlier, and the fact that maybe he's tired. <laughs> it's a long yeah. season and he's, yeah. he's played a lot because how can you not have him in the lineup when he's the best hitter in the league this season. Um, but he just looks a little tired. And so maybe a couple of days, at least partially off being a DH and not the first baseman will, will have accomplished two things, right? It got Pujols in front of the fans more often. And it gave Goldie a little bit of time to not have to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And we'll see how that plays um, on the West coast this week. But I also think, Again, there's just a different feel to a, a week of games against opponents that are not really relevant in the upcoming picture of the postseason. So the feel is a little different. The intensity might be a little different. And that's not an excuse for anyone to sort of back off or, or step off the gas, right? But um, it does maybe change the way that those toughest competitors <laughs> have uh, energy or or you know, focus in the moment um, too. So I think more than anything, he's probably just, probably just a little tired, probably a little worn out and hopefully a couple days off. will will do him some good. Yeah. And honestly, Nolan, the same way I, I pulled up for the last 15 days, 
Uh, Goldie's hitting 234. Nolan's hitting 212. Mm. Um, in fact, Tommy Edmonds hitting 380. Would you like to guess who is second in average over that time span? Albert Pujols. No, Albert's oh, only hitting 190. Okay. Actually, he's <laughs> if it's not going out, it's not doing anything. No, <laughs> well, yeah. but you were but you were on the right track because second is Yadier Molina. That was um, going to be my next guess. <laughs> yeah, it's hitting 278. And in fact, over this span, Albert has four home runs. Yachty has three, um, which I guess maybe is a little bit concerning when for two weeks your offense is being carried by a couple of 40-year-olds. But uh, <laughs> that's maybe a different story. Yachty, of course, Yachty had the two week, two months off and you know finally got his legs under him. And he's a little bit more rested than normal. Um Ali Marmol said at the beginning of the month, I'm betting on September Yachty. And so far, it looks like that bet has panned out. And we're seeing a lot more of Yachty and Molina, it, probably to the detriment of Andrew Kisner, who is one for 17 over that stretch. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go out, go out in that blaze of glory. And that feels like what Yachty's trying to do. Yeah, and I'll take it. I mean, September, October, Yachty has generally been a lot of fun. So if he has that left in the tank, um, especially after the extra time off this year that he has not really had the last handful of years, if ever, <laughs> um, at least not intentionally, then great. I I'm here for it. I think there have been some moments this year where you and I have talked, and I, I know others have brought it up as well, that Yachty doesn't quite seem as in it as he has been in the past. But if there's one thing we have seen about Yadier Molina is that he is a competitor through and through, and that man loves him some postseason baseball. <laughs> so if anything gets him up for a little bit extra of that, that momentum and that intensity and, and whatever it is, that competitiveness kicks in at the end of the season when, all right, we played, we played this long, this many games in, and even though he trains for 175 games or whatever it is that he said one year, uh, this is where it seems to matter a little bit more. And he, we will see that fire come back a little bit. And not that it hasn't been there this year. It's just been different. It's been a little bit more muted than we tend to see it from him. And he's felt a little bit more distant, I guess. Um, but I, I would also say the pool holes thing in the second half has very much overshadowed anything else. Um, yeah. So I, I found myself this week, especially after a Yachty or Molina home run that was like, <laughs> Oh, right. September Yachty. That's what we're doing. Um, I found myself just kind of trying to appreciate the Yachty moments as much as the Pujols moments, because I, I mean, that was always going to be the case. It was always going to be Wayno and Yachty going out together. And mm -hmm. Pujols was the, the extra tacked on at the end and now has become almost a singular focus of all of baseball for good reason. Don't get me wrong. Um, but those Yachty moments, uh, whether there were enough of them early in the season or not, they're here now. And I intend to appreciate every one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been... It's, it's nice to see Yachty not, I mean, because in early, like I think Alan and I talked about this this week as, as well on the show, but um, you know, as much as in June we looked and both of those guys, Albert and Yachty were kind of like, okay, we're going to have to kind of drag them through their last <laughs> season, you know, and kind of, you know, swallow a little tough when we see them out there in the starting lineup. You know, both of those guys have played huge roles in, especially in August yeah. and September. And, 
you know, that's that's what you want. I mean, if, if you want, if these guys are going to play and we want them to play, we want the, their icons, we want them out there for their final season. But you also have to balance that as, you know, with the team success. And if they can contribute instead of being this guy like, yeah, man, Yachty should have hung it up two or three years beforehand. But now both those guys they're going to be remembered a lot more fondly. Their latter years are going to be remembered a lot more fondly than they might've been had they like had the season ended like June. Yeah. Well, it's certainly better for the fans and for those players to have this as the lingering memory. But honestly, back to what we were saying about all your marmal, it's way easier for him to balance this whole thing when they're playing mm-hmm. well than mm-hmm. if they were not playing well, because then <laughs> he would have that extreme challenge of, Okay, got to give the fans a chance to see them, but the fans also don't want to see them because they're not playing well, which means if I play this guy, <laughs> someone else isn't playing, which could hurt it. That would get way more complicated. So I'm sure Ollie is very thankful <laughs> for the season that Pujols is having and the September that Molina is having and Wainwright, of course, as well. I think in his whole conversation, Wainwright gets glossed over one, because he has not said that he's retiring, but two, because he just keeps plugging away. He just keeps doing what he does. It's not necessarily unexpected and, you know, some resurgence of any kind. It's just almost like really cool, boring Adam Wainwright. This is what he always does. And I, I mean, boring in the most loving way possible just that it's not dramatic it's not chaotic it's not like wow we didn't expect this from him it's just all right wayno doing his thing um but yeah that that whole conversation gets a lot more complicated if those guys are not doing what they have done this year so perhaps no one more thankful um than ollie marmol and maybe uh, john was luck yeah yeah both of those guys very (laughs) excited about this as well for so many different reasons um, before we wrap it up, two two random points that don't really relate directly to the Cardinals, but something to point out anyway. Looks like um, Harrison Bader is going to get activated by the Yankees on Tuesday. Um, so that will be fun to see Harrison Bader running around in, in Yankee Stadium. Um, he'll get to be um, somewhat of a focus, <laughs> less of a focus since you know, Aaron Judge is taking shots at 60. But you know, maybe he can make it like, in the highlight or something. Yeah. Um, but it also means the Cardinals don't have to send another player over to New York. So that's good. And, you know, I mean, I think everybody wishes the best for Harris Abater, right? And we want to see him be successful yeah. in a place that, you know, he grew up, he grew up as a Yankee fan. This is, you know, I, not that he never wanted to be in St. Louis. I mean, I think he enjoyed his time here, but you've got to figure if he had to go somewhere, that's where he wanted to go. Yeah. I, I mean, who doesn't, dream of playing for their hometown team right so if there was anywhere for him to go new york is where he's comfortable anyway so it might as well if anyone's going to be able to have success in new york it's probably someone who knows that environment knows those fans knows what it's like to be one of those fans um and then has a chance to play with a really good yankees team although as of late not as good as they have been much of the season so uh, maybe he's the spark plug for them. Who knows? But you're right. I think we all wish great success for Harrison Bader as long as he's not playing against the Cardinals. Right. That's just right. how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. And then finally, something that's p- perhaps relevant for your household, the Cubs eliminated from playoff contention today. Um, and again, granted, we knew this was coming. It's They've been kind of you know unofficially eliminated for some time. But 
it's always nice to put that final nail in the coffin. Yeah, and it um, means that we only have to pay, ten- pay attention to one game <laughs> in my household. So. <laughs> Although it's sort of been that way for a while. Weird yeah. season for the Cubs. I mean, I, I've said this before. We've talked about it. Uh, you and Steve have joked about it, too. I, I think that baseball is better when the Cubs and the Cardinals are are competitive at least with each other um Mm -hmm. although you know my stress level and anxiety level probably doesn't appreciate the extra competition (laughs) uh but no i think in general it's a great rivalry in baseball so um to see them down so far is probably not great overall for the game but it does make september slightly less uh anxiety inducing if you're a cardinals fan so i'll take it yeah yeah i think i lost years of my life in 2016 so mm-hmm. yeah. um that's just you know, um, yeah, it, you know, it's the Cubs. I mean, they'll probably, you know, maybe they will not be great next year, but they'll probably go out and spend some money and they'll probably be back at least around the fringes of eligibility in a couple of years and then yeah. be giving us heart attacks again after that. So enjoy them while they're down. I guess that's the best part. So, all right. Well, a big week for the Cardinals, as we've said, and uh, Tara and I'll be with you next week to talk about it. Um, but until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.